and welcome to the Beloved Bride podcast. I'm Misty House, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. This is a podcast for helping women discover their royal identity in Christ and grow in relationship and intimacy with our bridegroom, King Jesus. Today's message is titled, Mighty Warrior, God is Calling You Out. My prayer and purpose for this message and this podcast is to help equip and empower God's mighty men and women to emerge, to come out of darkness and into the light and be transformed into who he has called us to be. God began revealing to me through visions of how he sees me so I could help others discover how he sees them. I want to share this vision with you before I jump in with today's message and help you see yourself in in a new light as a mighty warrior. I want to give you an image to grab hold of in your spirit that encourages you to move confidently and courageously in royal authority. I hope this message puts a fight in you to go out and transform the world. But before we can transform others, we first have to be transformed in the way we see ourselves, see others, and see God. So I'm going to share what I call my Shira vision. And I've shared this before on other episodes. Episode one and two. Episode one is Daughters of the King, and two is Princess of Power. So this vision was came from Princess of Power. It's about it's kind of the, the Shira was a princess of power. She was a heroine of the faith, faith and a builder of legacy and faith. And so here's the vision that I saw from the Lord several years ago. I saw myself walking in this battlefield and there were these pits in the ground and we were warriors and there were many people and we were suited up in the armor of God. We were like clothed from on high. We had white and gold armory and we were carrying our swords and Jesus was walking ahead of us. He was leading us and he was on his white horse. And so we were following Jesus through this battleground and in the ground there were these pits. And as we walked through a pit, we would look down and we would see people who were held captive, who were bound by chains and from the enemy. They were in these dark pits and so we would help rescue them and set them free by you know, using our swords, God's word, and holding the sword down there and help pulling them out of darkness into the light as they grabbed hold of the truth of God's word. And as they came out of those pits and came into the light of Jesus's presence, they themselves were transformed and they became equipped and empowered and clothed with armor and became a part of God's army. And so they joined the army and continued to follow Jesus as well. So his army grew and it's just a beautiful picture. And I share so much more about that vision. If you could go back and listen to those other episodes, but hold on to that vision as we step into today's message. So I want you to envision yourself supernaturally clothed in white and gold clothed in superpower from on high Luke 24 49 says, Listen carefully. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. I love stories in the Bible where God takes weak, humble, and sometimes fearful people and transforms them into mighty men or women. 
and uses them to do supernatural and extraordinary things. These legendary heroes of the faith astonish and inspire us as we hear their stories. The truth is, God is still transforming ordinary people into mighty men of valor. I think God gets a kick out of surprising people. One such heroic tale is found in the book of Judges and told in the life of Gideon. The primary theme of the book of Judges is that if you put your trust and dependence on the Lord, he will give you direction. When Gideon was called out by God, he didn't yet see himself as anything but weak and powerless. But God was about to change all of that. Beloved, I believe you and I are called by God to do great things. But many of us are in hiding. We feel afraid, weak, vulnerable, unqualified, or trapped. I think God wants to remind you that with him, all things are possible. So I want to speak to you today about one man's story so that you can see yourself in God's grand narrative. So who was Gideon? Gideon was a young Israelite man living in Ophrah. Gideon's family was not wealthy. When we meet Gideon in the book of Judges, he is threshing wheat in a wine press. He's in a dark pit, hiding in the shadows. This was not the custom to thresh wheat in a wine press. He should have been, you know, on a threshing floor, but had to, it had to be done to protect what grain they could get. He's cowering, trembling, and hiding in fear and insecurity when he should be abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. In Judges 6, let's pick up the story. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and all those parasites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all their way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. Remember that. Swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So for seven years, the locusts, the Midianites, the enemy has stripped him bare. He, Gideon, is stripped of strength, courage, and confidence. He doesn't know who he truly is underneath the shadow of his circumstances and the weight of oppression, but God does. The angel of the Lord comes to reveal his true identity and destiny. Here's the call of Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Some translations say mighty man of valor. So Gideon must grab hold of this truth and emerge out of the pit of darkness and into the light of God's presence and glory. But here's the thing. God, Gideon questions God. He says, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, 
Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Perhaps you've also questioned God. Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to me? The Lord doesn't always give us all the answers to our questions, but he does instruct us, guide us, and direct us. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon questions himself. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Perhaps, like Gideon, you also question your own strength, qualifications, or ability to be used by God. But when the Lord instructs you in what to do or where to go, he promises he will walk with you. You're not alone. His power will be demonstrated through you. You've probably heard the saying, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So Gideon asks for a sign. And how often do we want proof from God rather than have faith in his promises? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Too often, we want it the other way around. We say to God, First, show us a sign, then we'll walk. But we must trust him and believe in him. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I love how patient God is to wait on us. Sometimes it takes a lot to get God's people to get up and move where he tells us to go. So Gideon has this emergence experience. Gideon prepares an offering and the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. So then Gideon asked for another sign. This is the sign of the fleece. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. So then Gideon asks again for a, for a sign. This time, smack down, flip it, and reverse it. Gideon says to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. I love how faithful God is. Maybe you're in a place where you believe God is calling you to do something, to start a business, buy a house, move somewhere, or give to something or someone, maybe to write a book, whatever it may be, but you want to be sure it's God speaking to you. Ask him for a sign. Say, God, if this is your will for me, then show me. 
Often he'll confirm it through scripture or sometimes through someone else. I love that we can talk to God and wait on him. Sometimes it takes time for us to come out of the caves or pits we're used to. It can be scary when God calls you out and instructs you to do something you feel is impossible. But each time God shows up and shows us something miraculous, it builds up our faith, our strength, and our confidence. So Gideon has this face-to-face encounter and revelation from the angel of the Lord. This emergence experience takes him from hiding as a weakling to fighting as a warrior. He is called by God to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the enemy. Because God is with him, with just a small army, a great victory is won. I've had many emergence experiences in my own life to testify of. In fact, I've written a book called Emergence, where I share all the miraculous work and victories that God has done in my life. And he can do this in your life as well. So let's look at seven lessons from Gideon. Number one, God is not too high and mighty to come down to meet the little guy. We know that heaven came down to earth. Jesus left his throne to be born in a manger. Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. He cared for all and was always willing to go out of his way to help save others. So like him, we should be humble and have compassion for others. We should come down off our high horse and be willing to lift up those who are laid down low. We should see the best in others and call it out as Jesus does. Look for other strength and look past their weaknesses. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, the Passion Translation, Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent, so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. And this fulfills what is written, If anyone boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has done. Point two, when we are weak, he is strong. God saw the best in Gideon. He looked past his faults and his weaknesses. This same is true for us today. God sees our hearts. He knows who we truly are. God knows that we have weaknesses. God also knows that if we trust in him, we have everything it takes to do the work he has called us to. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, the Passion Translation. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. 
for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. So let's cast, cast off our fear, doubt, discouragement, and insecurity. Come out of it. You've been in that pit and worn that cloak for far too long. Let the glory of the Lord shine upon your face and be transformed and transfigured in the light of his presence. Believe the word of the Lord. You are who he says you are. You are a mighty warrior. Put on the full armor of God. Be clothed in his power, strength, and authority, and walk in your true royal identity. When strength and dignity become your clothing, you really can laugh at the future to come as a Proverbs 31 woman. Like Gideon, I was once in a dark pit, cowering in fear and insecurity until God called me out and gave me direction and revelation. He began to speak to me and reveal to me my true identity through his word, teaching, and through visions and dreams. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. Believers should hear God. He is our good shepherd. As we follow him, we should recognize his voice as he speaks to us and opens up our spiritual eyes and ears. God speaks to me often through pictures or visions that tell a story. These images illustrate what he wants me to know and understand. And it's not a weird thing. Imagine if I were to tell you to close your eyes and picture yourself on a beach, under an umbrella, eating an ice cream cone. Can you see it? I just gave you a vision through my voice. Well, God reveals secrets to us in the same way. Each of us are unique and he speaks to us in different ways. He knows his sheep and he knows how his sheep hear him best. As I began to hear God and see what he wanted me to see about myself and others, I was grabbing hold of his truth, his sword, and he pulled me out of darkness and into the light. He has been transforming me into a mighty warrior, a heroine of faith, a Shira, a princess of power, and training and equipping me so that I can do the same for others, pulling prisoners out of the pit and helping them to become mighty warriors who follow Jesus and battle for the kingdom. Maybe you can identify with my story and you have your own to tell of the miraculous work God has done and continues to do for you and in you so that many others will come out of hiding and follow him. I once saw myself as weak. I was fearful and insecure, but God saw me differently. He saw me not for who I was, but for who I would become. God wants you to see yourself in the same light. His power is perfected in us through our weakness. Next point, tear down the idols, build an altar. Repent for any idolatry. It was because of disobedience and idolatry that God allowed the enemy to sweep in to steal, kill, and destroy. For seven years, the Israelites, the locusts, they, they, they were oppressed by those locusts. So we have to ask ourselves, do we have any idols in our heart? And I'm not talking about gold statues that we set up in worship, but idols in our heart. And I talk more about this in my book if you want to learn what that means. But an idol is anything or anyone that takes the place of God in our lives. It's putting anything above him. It can be any sin, unbelief, or disobedience. 
If so, it's time to confess and repent. Tear them down. Build an altar to the Lord. Set him first above all and put him on the throne of your heart. He alone is worthy of our worship, not our money, not our titles, careers, or position, not our ministry or ambition, not our devices or vices. No other gods shall come before him. So make him the Lord of your life and Lord over all. When you put him in place, his peace will reside in your heart. He will receive your repentance and offering and his peace, Jehovah Shalom, will be with you and protect you. Next point. It's not about the numbers. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. The quality of our hearts and devotion to him and willingness to follow his instructions. So Gideon called for many to come out to follow him and many came and his army grew. But God said, you have too many men. So do what I tell you. And Gideon listened and obeyed. Now all the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. There it is again. (laughs) He was clothed and he sounded the trumpet and the Abzerites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Then in Judges 7, Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are too many people with you for me to hand over Midian to them. Otherwise, Israel will boast about themselves against me, saying, My own power has rescued me. So now proclaim in the hearing of the people, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men returned home, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many people. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. So God begins to sift them in. He instructs Gideon to take them down to the river to drink. Those who lap up the water on their hands and knees like a dog, he dismisses. Those who use their hands to drink, he keeps. Sometimes God will use strange methods or funny ways to weed out the unnecessary people or dirty dogs out of your life that you don't need, even if it makes no sense and you just don't get it. Trust God has his reasons. So with only 300 men left, the remnant, this was what was left over, Gideon defeats the Midianites. And I want to point out that Shira means remnant. I just think that's fascinating. So Gideon and the hundred men, the 300 men with him, reached the edge of the camp and at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. God can turn your enemies over into your hand, even when you feel outnumbered. God can take what the enemy has stolen from you and bring it all back. The years the locusts have eaten from you and ravished you, stripped you and stolen from you what God has given and promised to you. 
God has the power to restore and return all the enemy has taken from you. Joel 2.25, the message says, I'll make up for the years of the locusts, the great locust devastation. Locust savage, locust deadly, fierce locust, locust of doom. That great locust invasion I sent your way. You'll eat your fill of good food. You'll be full of praises to your God, the God who has set you back on your heels in wonder. Never again will my people be despised. You'll know without question that I'm in the thick of life with Israel, that I'm your God. Yes, your God, the one and only real God. Never again will my people be despised. So God can take the little we have and do a lot. God can do more with 300 than you and I could do with 10,000 or 32,000. In Since God called me to write, I've had this dream of being signed by a traditional publisher. But at the time when I started writing, and I had no idea when it came to publishing um, that when I started sending out requests and things like that to literary agents, that for them to even consider you or really look at you, they look at three things, your craft, your content, and your crowd. Crowd meaning your author platform, how many followers you have. And if you don't meet all three of those, then they really don't, it doesn't matter how well your craft or content is, you have to meet all three criteria. Well, as a new author and just just starting, I wasn't even considering how many followers I have or working on building my author platform that I just was following Jesus, doing what he called me to do. So I was really discouraged in the beginning, but here's what I have come to believe. I trust God can bring the right people across my path at the right time. And at any moment, he can turn my little, whether it's 300, 10,000, 32,000 followers into a lot. And he can accomplish more than what I could on my own. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not striving to achieve something. I'm trusting God. I'm going to continue doing my best and leaving the rest up to him. And I encourage you, if you're in a position like that, where you feel, you know, the pressure of this world to perform in a certain way, remember, we're of this, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And God is bigger than any enemy or any giant that we face. So just trust him and rely on him because he can turn anything around at any moment. So next point, it's all about following Jesus. It's not about growing the size of our army or our platform, our ministry, or our ego. It's about building and expanding his kingdom, not our brand. His kingdom come, his will be done. It's not about us. It's about following his direction and obeying his instruction. It's not about our desires or influence, but about his will and impact. We must be careful not to boast about our own strength and power. It is God who saves, heals, and delivers. It is his power alone that works wonders through us, not of our own strength. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So he's the savior of the world. Jesus is the hero of our story. It's not about how many are following you. It's about how many are following him. Last point, 
We are not the king. When we gain the victories and finally possess the land, don't allow the land or its possessions to possess you. He alone is worthy of our worship and praise. We must never forget we are powerful as long as we remain in him and his presence. God alone is our source of power. Without him, we are nobody, nameless. We are to remain humble. As we rise up and take our place, we should remain in our place. We are to follow him. We are never to step ahead and take the lead on our own. The higher we are lifted up, the lower we should bow down. Just like that vision on the battlefield, we are to follow Jesus. And as we pull people out of the pit and gain a greater army, and it's not our strength and our power that gets the glory. It's Jesus who gets the glory. And we are all looking to him. We are all following him. So just remember, it, we are not the king. Gideon was tested after he gained the victory. The people wanted to make him their king. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request, and here's where he messed up, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder into it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian or the chains that were on the camel's necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. When you finally enter into that promised land, do not begin to worship the land or its people or the possessions that you gain through victory. Worship God alone and give him the glory for the victories that he has done. He is the king. He is our savior. It is not of our own works. So thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace 40 years. Gideon becomes a judge of Israel and dies as an honored man in the history of God's chosen people. So Gideon was called and chosen by God to help set captives free. And so are we as his followers. Earlier, I said that God likes to surprise us. Well, imagine my astonishment when I discovered that Shira is a real woman mentioned in the Bible. Surprise? I know, right? You probably, if you're familiar with Shira, you know she's this. Um, I like the 80s, the 80s cartoon character, and I had her little doll. Um, and I was just fascinated with her because she was a princess warrior of power and she was a girl with a sword. But she was a mighty warrior of the faith and a builder of legacy. She was a builder of three cities and descendant of Ephraim, who received the blessing given by Jacob. This blessing rippled down to her generationally. It's, uh, her name is found in 1 Chronicles 7.24. He had a daughter named Shira. She built the towns of Lower and Upper Bethhoron and Uzan Shira. So in my Shira message, Princess of Power, I talk about how we as heroines of the faith 
are to fight as mighty warriors with our swords in one hand, but we're also builders of the faith, builders of legacy, builders of God's kingdom. So in the other hand, we have our, our chisel or our hammer and we are building God's kingdom. So listen, mighty warriors, God is calling you out. Today, people are in pits. They are hurting and fearful, and we can help just as Gideon did. We can help them receive hope and truth. We can lead them to safety, freedom, salvation, and to a personal and intimate relationship with God. We can't be their hero, but we can put on the armor of God and go into battle on their behalf, fighting for them as mighty warriors of Christ. We can lead them to the true hero and savior of the world, Jesus. Together, we can build the kingdom of God as Shira did. There are two groups I want to pray for. If you're listening to this message and you are in a pit right now because you've never confessed Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, you can receive salvation right now. Choose to follow Jesus and join the royal family and the army of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 through 12, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So you can pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And now for the second group. If you are a follower of Jesus, but you want to confess and repent, which just means to change your mind, and get rid of any idols you may have, then pray this prayer with me. Lord, forgive me for creating idols in my heart. I cry out to you, invite you to be God over all areas of my life. Introduce yourself to me in a new and intimate way and pour into me your living water that sustains my soul. Wash away the filth of my shame and guilt as I come out of hiding and step into the light of your presence. I open up my hands to let go of worldly idols so I can be free to grab hold of your promises. Thank you for your perfect love that is refreshing and reviving my longing soul and depleted heart. You are enough. Help me to be satisfied in you alone. I want you to be my one true love. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's actually a prayer from my book, Emergence, How to Experience Beauty and New Life in Dead and Dark Places, where you can learn more about how to make Jesus your one true love. So, beloved, I pray this message was a blessing to you. Please share this podcast with someone you know and help spread the good news of the gospel around the world. Thank you for joining me today. Remember that as a daughter of the King, you are the beloved bride of Christ and your bridegroom, King Jesus, is crazy in love with you. For more Christian encouragement, please check out my books by visiting my website, mistyhouseauthor.com. God bless.